Shamantakena, known as Shamantaka, Manina, together with the jewel, Swayam, personally, Ujamya, striving, Dattavan, he gave. Translation Sukadego Sami said, having offended Lord Krishna, Satrajit tried as best he could to atone by presenting himself with his daughter and the Shamantaka jewel. Uh, Maharaj Pariksit inquired, O Brahmana, what did King Satrajit do to offend Lord Krishna? Where did he get the Shamantaka jewel? Uh, and why did he give his daughter to the Supreme Lord? Sukadeva Goswami said, Surya, the sun god, felt great affection for his devotee, Satrajit, acting as his greatest friend, the demigod gave him the jewel called Shamantaka as a token of his satisfaction. Wearing the jewel on his neck, Satrajit entered Dwarka. He shone as brightly as the sun itself, O king, and thus he went unrecognized because of the jewels of Algens. As the people looked at Satrajit from a distance, his brilliance blinded them. They presumed he was the sun god, Surya, and went to tell Lord Krishna, who was at that time playing at dice. The residents of Dwarka said, Obeisances unto you, O Narayan, O holder of the conch biscuit club, O lotus eyed Damodara, O Govinda, O cherished descendant of Yadu. Lord Savita has come to see you, O Lord of the universe. He is blinding everyone's eyes with his intensely effulgent rays. The most exalted demigods in the three worlds are certainly anxious to seek you out, O Lord. Now that you have hidden yourself among the Yadu dynasty, thus the unborn sun god had come to see you here. 
So could they go, so let me continue. Hearing these innocent words, the lotus-eyed Lord smiled broadly and said, This is not the sun god, Ravi, but rather Satrajit, who was glowing because of his jewel. King Satrajit entered his opulent home, festively executing auspicious rituals. He had qualified brahmanas install the Samantaka jewel in the house's temple room. Each day the gem would produce eight bars of gold, my dear Prabhu, and the place in which it was kept and properly worshipped would be free of calamities such as famine or untimely death, and also of evils like snake bites, mental and physical disorders, and the presence of deceitful persons. Purposes, Sridhar Swami gives the following Shastric reference concerning the bara. Four rice grains are called one gunja, five gunjas, one pana, eight panas, one karsha, four karshas, one pala, and one hundred palas, one tula. Twenty tulas make one bara. Since there are about 3,700 grains of rice in an ounce, the Shamataka Jill was producing approximately 170 pounds of gold every day. On one occasion, Lord Krishna requested Satyajit to give the jewel to the Yadu king, Ugrasena, but Satrajit was so greedy that he refused. He gave no thought to the seriousness of the offense he committed by not, by not denying the Lord's request. Once, Satrajit's brother, Prasena, having hung the brilliant jewel around his neck, mounted a horse and went hunting in the forest. Report the inauspicious result of Satyajit's refusal of Lord Krishna's request is about to manifest. A lion killed Prasena and his horse and took the jewel. But when the lion entered a mountain cave, he was killed by Jambavan, who wanted the jewel. Within the cave, Jambavan uh, let his young son have the Shamantaka jewel as a toy to play with. Meanwhile, Satyajit, not seeing his brother return, became deeply troubled. He said, Krishna probably killed my brother who went to the forest wearing the jewel on his neck. The general populace heard this accusation and began whispering it in one another's ears. When Lord Krishna heard this rumor, he wanted to remove the stain on his reputation. So he took some of Dwarka's citizens with him and set out to retrace Prasena's path. In the forest, they found Prasena and his horse both killed by the lion. Further on, they found the lion dead on a mountainside slain by Rikshah or Jambavan. The Lord stationed his subjects outside the terrifying pitch-dark cave of the king of the bears, and then he entered alone. There, Lord Krishna saw the most precious of jewels had been made into a child's plaything. Determined to take it away, he approached the child. The child's nurse cried out in fear upon seeing that extraordinary person standing before them. Jambavan, stronger than the uh, strongest of the strong, heard her cries and angrily ran towards the Lord. Unaware of his true position and thinking himself an ordinary man, uh, Jambavan angrily began fighting with the Supreme Lord, his master. Purport the word Purusham Prakritam Matva, thinking him a mundane person is very significant. So-called Vedic scholars, including most Western ones, enjoy translating the word Purusham as man, even when the word refers to Lord Krishna, 
and thus their unauthorized translations of Vedic literature are tainted by their materialist conception of the Godhead. However, here it is clearly stated that it was because Jambavan misunderstood the Lord's position, he considered him Prakrta uh, Purusha, a mundane person. In other words, the Lord is actually Purushottama, the ultimate transcendental person. The two fought furiously in single combat, each determined to win, contending against each other with various weapons and then with stones, tree trunks, and finally their bare arms. They struggled like two hawks battling over a piece of flesh. The fight went on without rest for 28 days, the two opponents striking each other with their fists, which fell like the cracking blows of lightning. Purport Sri Vishnu Chakravarti uh, points out that the fight continued day and night without intermission. His bulging muscles pummeled by the blows of Lord Krishna's fists, his strength faltering and his limbs perspiring. Jambavan, greatly astonished, finally spoke to the Lord. Jambavan said, I know that you are the life, air, and sensory, mental, and bodily strength of all living beings. You are Lord Vishnu, the original person, the supreme, all-powerful controller. You are the ultimate creator uh, of all creators of the universe and of everything created. You are the underlying substance. You are the subduer of all the subduers, the supreme Lord and the supreme soul of all souls. As Lord Kapila stated in the Srimad Bhagavatam 325.42, Mrityus Charati Madhvayad, death himself moves about out of fear of me. You are he who impelled the ocean to give way when his sidelong glances slightly manifested his anger, uh, disturbed the crocodiles and to mingle a fish within the watery depths. You are he who built a great bridge to establish his fame, <coughs> who burned down the city of Lanka and whose arrows severed the heads of Ravana, which then fell to the ground. <coughs> Sukadev Goswami continued. O king, Lord Krishna then addressed the king of the bears, who had understood the truth. The lotus-eyed personality of God and the son of Devaki touched Jambavan with his hand, which bestows all blessings, and spoke to his devotee with sublime compassion, his grave voice deeply resounding like a cloud. Okay, goes on forever. <laughs> Uh, so, anyway, here we have the beginning, or half the story of uh, the Shamantaka Jewel. Uh, and uh, the story about Satrajit. And finally, Miring's uh, daughter. Uh, so this is a um, little bit of a mysterious story, because uh, we find that in Dwarka we have this uh, greed uh, Satrajit, who did not want to uh, give up his jewel. And then we find the people starting uh, speaking rumors also that maybe Krishna has killed the, uh, his brother uh, and taken the jewel. Uh, how could all this happen in Dwarka? Uh, so, uh, again, this is an arrangement of the Supreme Lord. Uh, actually, there's no fault in Dwarka because it's also part of the spiritual world, but sometimes for pastimes, then 
uh, things like this manifest. Uh, and ultimately we find that his daughter is, uh, uh, becomes a great queen on the primary queens of Krishna. So uh, we can't really uh, criticize him or uh, anyone else in this particular pastime. Uh, so the, uh, uh, though we would uh, assume that uh, everything is peaceful uh, in the abode of the Lord, uh, here we find disturbance uh, uh, within the uh, uh, situation of the uh, spiritual dom. If we compare it to Vrindavan, we find Vrindavan also had disturbance in the form of demons coming in. So those demons were actual demons, but uh, the Lord allowed them in uh, so that Krishna could partially fulfill his uh, job of killing all the demons off. So he had to kill all these demons who were uh, associates of Kamsa. Uh, so uh, though the spiritual world is free of all impurities, we find that by the will of the Lord, sometimes uh, certain things happen. So in Vrindavan, actual demons uh, entered into Vrindavan. But at the same time, we should understand they didn't really appreciate Vrindavan, so they really didn't enter it. They couldn't really appreciate Krishna or the associates of Krishna or the Dham as a spiritual abode. Uh, so Bhaktivinoda Thakur has explained that people may go to the Dhamma like Navadweep or Vrindavan, but if they're materialists, they don't actually go to the Dham at all. They're there, but they don't really uh, contact it. Uh, so their benefit is much less than a person who has devotion that he actually associates with the Dham and then eventually he can see that Dham and uh, become spiritualized by him. So, uh, by the will of the Lord, sometimes these demons enter into Vrindavan. They cannot really uh, appreciate it. And then Krishna kills them and uh, they get some benefit from that. Huh? Uh, so, uh, here also we see that uh, the... Uh, we have some disturbance in Dwarka. Here, it's not actually demons, but uh, uh, because we see that uh, when the demons attack Dwarka, they're all defeated. They never get in. So we have the uh, Salva comes with this big spaceship and tries to attack Dwarka. He can't really defeat Krishna and enter into the city. Uh, in this case, it's not actually a demon, but there is some disturbance here caused by uh, Satrajit. Uh, and later we find that Akura also becomes involved in this uh, event, and he's also a great devotee of the Lord. Actually, it's described even that uh, there, even in the Vaikuntha, a demon can enter by the will of the Supreme Lord, but it is a very temporary affair or whatever. And then even in uh, Goloka, uh, Sanatana Goswami says that in Goloka itself, and then sometimes the demons come, like Aristosura comes, etc., and they enter in also. Uh, uh, but, uh, of course, they're defeated. And then they become the playthings of the devotees. So Aristosura becomes a nice uh, horse or whatever <laughs> that they can ride. Uh, so, uh, though there may be some disturbances there, they're always resolved in some way or other. Uh, so here we find uh, Satrajit causing some disturbance and... Uh, uh, to the dumb. And this creates an opportunity for, ultimately, the marriage of Krishna. Uh, and, uh, among other things. Uh, and also, uh, the, uh, we can say, the 
exemplifies Krishna's wonderful character in that he actually has no greed at all for this jewel and he actually forgives everybody after the whole incident. So, uh, uh, it, uh, the event resolves with a celebration of the marriage of uh, Satraja's daughter and also uh, the, the recovery of the jewel and though it was offered to Krishna, Krishna really didn't want the jewel. <laughs> huh? So, uh, in this way we see the uh, the Lord himself uh, shows his wonderful uh, detached nature in this particular event uh, by uh, not having any attraction to anything in the material world. On the other hand, uh, uh, he married uh, the uh, Satyrgis daughter. So this actually is not a material attraction at all. Uh, this is an eternal uh, attraction uh, between the Lord and his consort, his Shakti. Uh, so it doesn't come in the same category as material attraction at all. So previously Rukmini's uh, marriage was described uh, in detail. And there it was mentioned how she actually is also the Shakti of the Lord eternally. And this was simply a pastime by which Krishna attained in the material world uh, his uh, eternal consort, uh, and they were ideally suited to each other. Uh, and this is in the spiritual world, of course, they're eternally there. So, again, the principal queens are also uh, the other one. Other queens are also the eternally the Lord's uh, queens. Uh, so here we have uh, Satraja's daughter, uh, um, and there's an explanation of how she got married to Lord uh, Krishna. And uh, in this way, Again, uh, eternal uh, relationship is uh, produced here, even though it comes through a, um, some sort of leela of the Lord. Uh, so uh, then after this, the marriage of Krishna to many other queens is described, the, the, the eight principal eight are described, and, and then how he married 16,100 other queens. This is also described later on. Uh, in this way, we have a, um, a description of uh, the permanent situation of the Lord uh, in Dwarka, uh, where he expands himself into 16,108 forms, and he is personally enjoying with each of the queens in their uh, separate palaces. And then when Narada Muni sees this, he also is astonished, uh, because he's never seen this uh, display of the Lord's uh, wondrous powers of expanding himself simultaneously like this and acting as if he's completely unaware of what's happening in the other palace. So uh, that gives another opportunity for display of the Lord's uh, power. Uh, so uh, here we find the uh, Krishna uh, marrying the various queens and, and through this he displays his wonderful power of expansion simultaneously his uh, uh, enjoyment, his ananda in each of these relationships in Madhurya Rasa. So the same thing has happened in Vrindavan where Krishna expands himself with all the different gopis in the Ras Lila. Uh, and many of those uh, gopis are also eternal associates. Some of course are sadhana siddhas. Uh, but in any case, 
the Lord is personal with each of his devotees there. Uh, the uh, people of Vrindavan, however, do not want to see the powers of Krishna. And they don't appreciate those powers that he displays. Uh, so the people of Vrindavan are blind to the uh, expansions of Krishna and his powers, etc. And they re refuse to accept them. Uh, and it is said when he was in the Rasalila, he, no one could see, none of the gopis could see that Krishna was in all these different forms. They all thought Krishna is with me only. Huh? Just as in the palaces, each queen thought Krishna is only with uh, that particular queen. Huh? So also in Vrindavan. So that, although the power is displayed uh, by Krishna, uh, no one was really aware that that was taking place. Uh, and in, even in Dwarka, the only way uh, uh, it became noticed is because Narada Muni noticed it. <laughs> he noticed the powers of Krishna because he went to each palace and saw individually. Otherwise, the queens also didn't know. Uh, but in any case, uh, it is publicized. Uh, Narada Muni's great astonishment is recorded in the Bhagavatam, and then he understood the, the great power of Lord Krishna in relation to others, forms of the Lord, because he'd never seen anything like this, how the Lord could expand himself and act so independently in each form. Uh, but same power is there in Vrindavan, and he can do that with 3 billion gopis, not 16,000 queens, but 3 billion gopis. And no one is aware of it, the queens are the, uh, and it's not in palaces, it's in a rasa dance. And Krishna's also in the middle of the rasa dance with Radha. Nobody's really aware of that, uh, by the power of Krishna. <laughs> but they don't see the power of Krishna there. So uh, there's a little bit of a difference there in, in display. In both places, Krishna displays the highest rasa, Madhurya rasa. Uh, so he satisfies uh, those people who want uh, Madhurya rasa in a very intimate way uh, in, the, in, the go in the form of the gopis. Then he satisfies those who want uh, Madhurya rasa with Aishwarya mood, and that is in Dwarka, where the 16,000 queens are there. So, uh, in any case, he shows uh, the highest rasa in both places, though that in Dwarka is considered inferior to the Madhurya rasa in Vrindavan, uh, because in Vrindavan, no Aishwarya mood, no seeing Krishna as Supreme Lord, so therefore the intensity of the rasa is more. Yeah? Uh, but in any case, Krishna is superior to all others, so therefore uh, even the Dwarka form of Krishna displays more qualities and powers than the other forms of the Lord. Yeah? So he displays all the rasas, including Madhurya rasa, uh, even if it is less than that in uh, Vrindavan. So, uh, uh, in any case, uh, Krishna is Swayam Bhagavan, and he displays extra powers that the other forms of the god don't uh, reveal. Uh, so, uh, uh, just as uh, Krishna uh, displays Madhurya rasa, and its culmination is the uh, Ras Lila in Vrindavan. So he also displays Madhurya Rasa in uh, Dwarka, but there is no Ras Lila there. Uh, uh, the, and everybody is married to Krishna. The queens are married to Krishna. In Vrindavan, the gopis are not married to Krishna. So that's another difference there. There is a parakya relationship. In uh, Dwarka, they're all married to Krishna. So. It's a married relationship, slightly different again. 
so the uh, the marriages are all described here. How uh, Krishna uh, married each of the eight principal queens, and then sixteen thousand hundred hundred queens later on. Uh, to display that particular type of ananda. So uh, the uh, and this displays the say the extra. Uh, qualities of Krishna uh, uh, compared to other forms of the Supreme Lord. We do not see other forms of the Supreme Lord having 16,108 queens, even, or to speak of 3 billion gopis, but even uh, 16,108 queens we don't see with other forms of the Lord. <laughs> uh, so Vishnu has Lakshmi, Sri Ambu, and uh, Vakunta, and some, maybe a few others. But, uh, uh, with uh, Krishna, we, even in Dwarka Krishna, we find extraordinary uh, feat of Madhurya Rasa taking place. And uh, uh, Vishnu Chakrabarti mentions that if a devotee aspires, aspires for um, Madhurya Rasa but with, in the Aishwarya mood, then he can go to Dwarka. Uh, but we don't find people aspiring for Aishvarya mood with uh, and Madhurya Rasa with Vishnu or anything like that. There's no real concept of becoming uh, uh, one of the consorts of the Lord in Vaikuntha. It is very limited there. Whereas in Dwarka, because 16,000 then it is possible to be one of, uh, assume the form of one of the queens there. So uh, in this way, uh, Krishna shows more powers and development of Rasa. Well, you mentioned that uh, Madhuri Bhava is existing in Dwaraka. That is Aishwari Madhuri. Mm. So that means uh, <coughs> the Madhuri. highest is in Vandavan. Mm-hmm. The highest Madhuri is uh, pure Madhuri is in Vandavan. Can we say like that? Or? Well, it's both uh, Madhuri, but one is uh, no Aishwari, the other is Aishwarya. The, uh, and in Vrindavan it is uh, Parakya and uh, becomes Swakya in uh, Dwaraka. Maharaj, we see, you know, uh, Krishna marrying Rukmini, Sattvama, Jambavati. This normally, this offer comes from other side, like uh, Rukmini uh, wanted to marry Krishna as well as here, Shatrajit, he offered his daughter to Krishna as well as uh, Jambavan also offered his daughter to Krishna. So, what, what do you, what you can understand that Krishna is not interested with this thing? Uh, Krishna is not interested with his past time that, you know, is Shakti or, you know, can you say that on this, uh, even for the sadhak also then, we have to show some interest in only Krishna will show us interest. Well, one has to be qualified definitely by having the uh, the type of prema, suitable type of prema for Krishna. And we saw that Rukmini was ideally qualified. Of course, these uh, queens are eternally the associates. These eight queens are eternally the associates of the Lord, so naturally they're qualified. Uh, but it's not that all of them made the request. We find that it's, uh, sometimes Krishna just went and uh, took the, the, the different uh, queens, etc. So it's not always that they had to make a request or whatever. We see that 16th of that uh, what Narakasu kept, as well as this Rukmini, Sattvama, as well as uh, here, uh, and Jambavati, all requested by others that, you know, please, I might, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it the principal queen normally? You see this Rukmini? Yeah. yeah. 
Well, we can say that Krishna, in one sense, is detached from everything, so uh, the others, uh, that, that's why there would be some sort of request on the other's part, to know that he's demanding anything like that. But as I said, these are all eternal associates anyway, so it's just a matter of pastimes and how they get married to Krishna. Another question is like, in the Rasalila, when Krishna is dancing with three billions of gopis, uh, do they feel that Krishna is only with the, the individual or the particular one that, or they feel that no, Krishna is with other also? Yeah, they don't see that. Even though Krishna was, uh, there was a circle on Krishna and a gopi and Krishna and a gopi and a Krishna and a gopi, they didn't see that. The Krishna had expanded himself and was between each gopi even. They so couldn't see that. So similar, similarly in the Dwarak also, the other, other uh, these queens, uh, queens doesn't see that Krishna is with, uh, with yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. They think that, that she's, well, they don't see it because they're different palaces. Yeah. But then, of course, they think that Krishna is only with them. And then how this thought, uh, thought come to these uh, queens that, you know, when uh, these queens offered, uh, at, uh, they requested Krishna, please marry us. Because uh, if they don't think that Krishna cannot satisfy to everybody. Well, they think, oh, he's married to all the other queens. But when he comes in, they think, oh, oh Krishna's only here. He didn't. He's, he likes me more than the others. That's all. <laughs> and they're, they're not aware that he's simultaneously expanding himself into all the different palaces. Another question, like in the, uh, I think, in the translation, in the verse, it is said that only Dwarakavasi knows that Krishna is the Supreme Lord. But apart from the Dwaraka, means those who are bound with the Dwaraka, I think they don't know that Krishna is the Supreme Lord. Mm-hmm. Just those who are out of Dwaraka, they don't know that Krishna is the Supreme Lord. Only those who live in Dwaraka, they only know Krishna is the Supreme Lord. Well, yeah, uh, because uh, they have to be qualified as devotees to live in Dwaraka in general, and outside they may not be qualified. So therefore they may have other ideas about them, maybe materialists, semi-materialists, or great materialists, or authorities even. And normally, you know, material or what happens, you know, when we see someone as a great person, you know, this name and fame goes around everywhere, you know. But for Krishna, we don't see that much, you know, that he is a supreme, that all of these Dwarakavasi knows, but his name and fame doesn't go around the world. Well, we find that when he traveled from one place to the other, on his way to Astinapur or whatever, or from Kurukshetra or back, then in the different provinces, then the people knew about Krishna, so they all gathered, and many of them were like semi-devotees or whatever, and they advanced by glancing at Krishna, etc. So they, he was well known everywhere. We see that uh, Jambavan realizes the prowess of Krishna, and uh, gives Jambati in marriage uh, with great uh, happiness and uh, willingness. Whereas uh, Satrajit, he does it as a sort of atonement. But in the later part, when we see that uh, in the Leelas, Satyabhama is given more importance than Jambati. Is there any reason for uh, such sects? Well, it's just, as I said, this is the, the eternally they have some certain positions, that's all. Uh, so, uh, Satyabhama is actually an expansion of Radha and Rukmini of Chandravali, so naturally they get the most prominence because of that. <laughs>